Uh, Gamora, man, I love that version of Silent Night. That that video was sent over um, from that team who created that. Thank you for all 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 of you. And um, I was I walked. I just was gonna watch it quick to be like, okay, make sure it it works. And uh, I ended up sitting and watching the whole thing. I just was. Um, so encouraged by the words of Silent Night and the songs. I'm looking forward to singing more Christmas songs together in the next weeks to come. We have a Christmas series that is starting here, um, starting next week for those next three weeks um, through Christmas. Um, and on Christmas Eve, we'll have a special Silent Night um, uh, Christmas experience that we've, we're creating for all of you to be able to do in your homes, whether it's kind of on demand. So whether you want to do it in the next few weeks, it'll come out, uh, but it's an opportunity to be able to sing that together and think about that together and, and uh, experience some things together. But we're excited for this series at, that we're calling Born is the King. We're looking at different hymns, uh, four different Christmas hymns, and what those words say to us. And, and just be reminded that the King is coming, has come uh, in a manger. And so it's, it's exciting. Um we are finishing today the end of our series, The Gospel Changes Everything, um, and we've been doing that since uh, September. It's been uh, a uh, great opportunity just to stop and say, what are these different aspects of my life from real big ideas to just practically how do I interact with some people around me, and how does the gospel actually change me, which then changes how I do that. I, I went and picked some of my favorite gifts from the last few months that we've been looking at, um, just a reminder of the things we went through, um, lots to think about. Remember, we, we looked at the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal and idol worship. We talked about what it means to be someone who uh, worships out of thankfulness. We talked about how we throw tantrums uh, and why we're throwing tantrums. Uh, we looked at social media um, and power. And uh, I finally got to show a Tupac picture, which was a a bucket list. Uh, we're talking about judging people. We're talking about election for a few weeks. Um, and I, we got to re- remind ourselves about Ruby Bridges as we celebrate the anniversary and uh, how she was able to pray for people who were against her. And um, it just lots to think about. Lots to think about if the gospel changes me to do it. For me, it becomes um, a little bit of, of an overwhelming uh, list of things and okay, what what is this thing? Now, how do I interact on that thing? What am I supposed to do? What is my behavior supposed to look like? Um, and so, as we end our time, I want to just uh, remind us again of kind of where we began in this. Um, it, just remind of of in any situation with any people, um, there are some things we can ask and think about that can help inform us and really change us and motivate us in what um, we do. And ultimately, right, we're looking at this, uh, I've been loving this image, this idea that we first are filled and then we will overflow. We started though way back and we're kind of going to come all the way back around and remember this um, with, uh, with what we call the creation mandate, how God created us before stuff got broken in the fall what that looked like. We're going to look at those passages real quick here. In Genesis 1, um, if you want to open your Bibles or or I'll have all the words on the screen, love for you to follow along. In Genesis 1, we're reminded God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature that moves on the earth. 
So he says, be fruit, be blessed by me and then be fruitful and increase, grow things, multiply things. And then he says in verse 15, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. So there's this mandate put on us, like this job that we're given, this calling to be blessed by God and then to be a blessing to those around us, which is what we hear again then. Even though uh, sin comes into the world, we, brokenness, our relationship with God and the, the earth and each other is broken, but this still is what God calls us to because in Genesis 12, he comes to his people and says, I will make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So he again is saying, I'm going to bless you. And then you are going to be a blessing to others. I'm not blessing you so you can hoard it and hide somewhere and enjoy all the blessings of me, but I'm blessing you because then through you, I get to bless those around me who aren't coming into relationship with me and in hopes that they would to bless, bless me. And then we hear this stated another time by Jesus. Jesus comes and shows us what that looks like to be the blessed one who blesses others. And then Jesus says to us, as he uh, dies and rises, defeating sin and death, he, he ascends to heaven to take the throne as King Jesus. And as he's leaving, he says, hey, don't forget. Don't forget this. He says, he came and said to them, says in Matthew 20, 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I have all the authority. This is Jesus Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, blessing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So he's saying different words, but the same call to go and to make disciples. I'm blessing you. I have the authority to do that. And I'm going to ask you now to go and bring life to people around you. And life looks like being a follower of me. I bring life. And, and teaching what it looks like to live life, which means what it looks like to be blessed and be a blessing. And, and I'm always with you. I'm always blessing you. I'm always there supporting you. And so we have this, um, this beginning that we started with so that we could use it as our framework for what it looks like in, in politics and on social media. We're interacting with people. We're searching for knowledge. What all those look like, this first, first God, first we go with God and his blessing, what he's done, and then the overflow of that to those around us. We get the gifts of God and then we get to be gift givers. We aren't gift givers and then that makes God want to give us gifts, but we first are blessed and then we're blessings. We say yes to Jesus and his salvation, his gift of rescue and life, and then we get to share that good news with others. We don't hoard the blessings. We only think about ourselves and what we get out of something, but instead we think, I've been given everything in Jesus and now I get to give to others. So that looks like all the different ways we talked about, right? Engaging in politics, social media, as, as exiles, creating an embassy of heaven, how the gospel changes our listening and just changes ourselves, even down to how we are thankful and content. That's a lot. And so I, I want to just get again back to the roots of this because Jesus takes his disciples and a bunch of people on a hillside. And he talks to these very ordinary, regular people. These aren't necessarily people who are doing 
wild, extraordinary things to change the whole world. And he's going to sit them down and he's going to tell them what it looks like to be ordinary people and to change your life and the ones around you, which I think is more of our calling. And so he calls, he calls these ordinary people to this extraordinary life that's in the kingdom of God. And one of the early things he tells them when he's doing this sermon on this hill that we call the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, he calls them to be people uh, who represent salt and light. We're going to look there right now. This is Matthew 5. So he uses these terms, and these terms are, are, are widely used throughout Scripture and culturally would have been used uh, to describe spiritual things and also what people are. Still today we use these terms as ways to say somebody who's just just good to be around, who blesses those and cares for those. And this is what Jesus says to them. You are, he's talking to people who are part of the kingdom of God saying, this is what it looks like to be the kingdom of God. And he says, you, you are the salt of the earth. But the salt loses its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So first he says, we are salt of the earth. It's the example he gives us. It's kind of to wrap our heads, he gives us a vision for like, oh, we're salty. We bring flavor, goodness to things. We help preserve things. Salt preserves things. We bring the flavor of God's kingdom to those around us. And then he uses a second term. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stands and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. He's explained this, this blessing, right? You're going to bless people, and it's going to cause them to look to the light that you've been shining and see the actual one who gives the light. As if we're holding a, a torch, right? It's like we're in Indiana Jones, and we're holding one of those torches that burns forever in one of those temples, and we're lighting our way. As we move through life, it lights all around us the tunnel that we're walking through, like the room in the house we're walking through. And so we get to bring that light to others and hopefully they will see that blessing and ask who is bringing that blessing and they would give glory to God the Father. What I love this image. I think it's incredible, this idea of light. And, and we hear this throughout scripture. We're going to look even more at it in a minute. This light that casts out darkness, that pushes it back, that darkness doesn't win because there's a light that moves in. It shows us light, shows us reality, and makes things clear around us. Things we weren't even aware of that were next to us, now we can see, actually see what things are and how, how to interact with them. It illuminates our path, and it's close to where we are. And so it lights the things near us um, as we move. I was going for a walk this week, and I was thinking through this, because I love, I love how Jesus uses these images. And part of it's because I'm a visual person who loves to think uh, in that way about things. And how could I explain this thing by using something else that I'm aware of? And so I was thinking about light and all the things that light does. I was watching, uh, walking at night and seeing Christmas lights light up yards. I'm thinking, man, what a great image that Jesus uses. And then I started thinking, as Minnesotans, what? If we are on a hillside in Minnesota and Jesus was talking to us there, maybe what are other things he would use to explain the flavor, the aroma, the warmth, 
the goodness of the kingdom of God with his people. What brings warmth and spirit? What brings people together on a cold, dark night in Minnesota? What would give us a vision for who we are and the blessing that we could be on a cold, dark night with some hungry friends? Today, we're making heavenly hot dish. First, I gotta bring in my assistant. Come on in! Yeah! All right, first step, you take all your ingredients, you put it in the hot dish. Then you take the hot dish, and put it in the oven. Looks like it's ready. Oh, yeah. Get a whiff of that. You didn't see that coming, did you? Woo! Um, I had a moment where it was cold. I came in the house. We ate some warm food. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. A good Minnesota hot dish is a great example. You're light of the world. You're the hot dish to the world, friends, right? Okay, that's silly, right? But just hold with me for a second. I want to get us out of this phrase we've probably heard a million times, right? You're light of the world, you're salt of the world. Consider a hot dish, right? It's a hot dish is called a casserole. I grew up calling it a casserole, but since moving here, of course, it's a hot dish. It sounds it's a perfect name for it. Um, a casserole, by definition, um, is a noun, or the plural noun is casseroles um, or hot dishes. It's a kind of stew or side dish. It's a, it's a main dish that is cooked slowly in an oven to perfection. In 1708, it was first the word was first recorded in French uh, with the word cassa, which means I'm sure that's not right, um, but cassa meaning spoon-like container or made in a dish, a casserole. Of course, we call them hot dishes here in Minnesota, and people have strong opinions about whether they love or don't as much love hot dishes. We have favorite hot dishes. Um, I, I've talked to people who are uh, have like a series of hot dishes they make throughout the year for special occasions. I talked to a kid once, and I said, well, what do you get? Uh, your, your special birthday meal this week? And he said, oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, pizza? And he was like, tater tot hot dish. What else would I get on my birthday? It's that special of a thing, right? I think um, the hot dish, think about, I'm excited about this. Hopefully you're with me. Think of the aroma it brings, the warmth it brings, how you gather around a table as you set it on some hot pads in the middle, right? And you scoop it out on each person's plate and they get to experience the tastiness of it. It, it, it warms you. It, it often makes you feel connected to family. What, it, what a way to bring the kingdom of God, the family of God to a person to consider, am I a hot dish to those around me? So I want us to think about how, how do you then become, what is the actual recipe Right? Cooking with Drew wasn't very specific and how you do that. What's the recipe, right? Do I just try hard to be a light, to be salt, to be a hot dish? 
Do I just read enough Facebook memes about kindness that it forces me to be kind? Maybe just posting those counts as being a light. Do we just survey the world around us and pick one of the things that seems nice? Do I watch enough Facebook clips where those people in towns that I've never been in are like changing the world through their cool acts, um, working with people in their town? I, I get like hooked on these, rewatch the short story of someone doing something incredible. And I think I don't do anything. I need to start an organization. I need to like change all the uh, prison rates in my community. And I need to make sure all, everyone's fed and clothed and I get overwhelmed because I'm not that person and no one's coming to make the show about me, right? Where do we look to this? Do I just invent what light and hot dishes is supposed to look like? And I just move towards and say, I guess this is supposed to help you. Or we stop as we've been doing for the last few months and remember what actually changes us and what changes people. We look and remember the, the true light, right? The one who invented light, the one who invented flavor, the one who invented all of the ingredients that go into a hot dish, the one that cooks that hot dish that actually makes it a blessing to those around us. And so that's just where I want us to look here, to be reminded of the one who lights us, the one who flavors us, the aroma that brings the joy and the warmth and the community, right, to those around us. So let's look, let's look at John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God. They're we're talking about Jesus there. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John is telling us a, like a recreation story. It's the Christmas story and creation story all kind of mashed together saying Jesus has made everything and he's now coming to you, bringing life and the light of the world because there's darkness and it's going to push it out. Right? This light that's Jesus, right? That power pushes darkness out, and that darkness cannot push it back. What good news is that? It says, then there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So John, not John the Baptist, just John here, um, is saying he's coming to testify to this light, right? And so we're hearing about this John who comes to say, I'm the light, I change lives. Nope, it makes it very clear. He says, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. He came to just say, there is a light that pushes out darkness, that changes lives. How good is this? He shares the good news, the gospel, of this light that comes. It says the true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world was made and the made the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Do you hear this? The story 
of Jesus, the true light comes to bring light to the world in the world he created, and they don't recognize it. Because of their worship of other things, of them turning away from they don't even recognize him as the one, the true light, because they've been looking for other light sources. He's still, though, right? He doesn't say, oh, forget it. You don't want it? Great. I'm going back. Have fun figuring out the light thing where I'm the one who is the light. He doesn't do this. He stays. How incredible is this? Yet all, so he's there, right? People don't receive him, but it says there are some who do, right? In verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor human uh, decision or of husband's will, born of God. People who now are called to be in his family. This true light comes, even as people are pushing him away, he moves in and he says, receive me, receive the blessing and be blessed. And not just blessed that darkness is pushed away, but you're also brought in to the family of God. What an incredible news, right? Not because anything we did, not because we were really good at blessing people, right? Not because of, of our decisions or our actions, because God has blessed us and brought us into his family. And then uh, we hear, um, j- just because Christmas is coming up, this gets me so excited, right? This is kind of, I'm sneaking into this Christmas series already. Um, in verse 14 here, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This word, this true light, right? He became a person and was with us. And we've seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. This, this light was not dependent on us. The light isn't us. It's not like in us. We don't have to look for our inner life or divinity and then expose that somehow. This light comes from a different source, our creator, our God. It comes to us as sinners. It's He swallows up darkness. He dies and rises and overcomes it. He bursts forth from the grave and brings us with him. He makes us family from darkness to light, from death to life, from orphans to family. We get to be blessings to those around us. From uncooked mash of ingredients to cooked and delicious with the aroma of God, the gospel, and our true light. So how do we become heavenly hot dishes to those around us? Right? How do we bring this gospel, this gift to those around us, to brokenness, to failed plans, right? How do just ordinary people like us do this, become lights? I think there's just a few things that are practically helpful to consider when we're doing this. We need to cook. We need to slowly cook to perfection. We call that sanctification, um, the theological term for that. We, we have this justification, which is when we actually are changed, when, when the gospel grabs a hold of us and we are rescued, when the verdict on our life is no longer guilty but free, when 
That's the justification. But then we have the sanctification, which is the, the rest of our life as we slow cook more like Jesus. We smell more like him. We bring his light a little bit more like him. And that doesn't happen overnight. And that doesn't happen in a quick, amazing moment where we change everybody's lives around us. It's a lifetime of faithful cooking in his word to be reminded of the gospel. We're not just reading our Bibles so that we know how to behave like a Christian. We're reading our Bibles because we want a relationship with this God and he's going to cook us. He's going he's to form us into something new by understanding who he is and being reminded of this good news. We're going to cook slowly with a lifetime of faithfulness to a community of gospel friends who remind us of the gospel, who encourage us, who love us, can lift us up, who can bear with us, and also push us sometimes to be lights in dark places. And we don't have to do that alone. Together we get to be a light. I mean, if we're hot dishes, then we're kind of like the church is this amazing potluck, right? Also, I think one of the ingredients is this lifetime of faithfulness to just who God gives you. Right? People don't aren't really looking for $200 steak dinners that they eat once in a lifetime. All right, obviously you'd take that. This maybe is where the, the illustration goes awry a little bit, right? Now, I think I, I haven't, but I know people have that story of that one time they got to go have this amazing meal. But generally what changes a person is consistent faithfulness, that faithful presence in people's lives around us. That God is going to use you for days and weeks and years in the people's lives around you as your light continues to push darkness out of their lives. As the aroma of the kingdom of God continues to waft in their lives and they are interested in wanting to be around the table to enjoy that feast. This faithful presence we get to do as ordinary people around other ordinary people in an ordinary community, we get to just have the presence and bring the light into those places. It reminds me of a story. I met a pastor once who actually first heard the gospel, like responded. His, his heart changed at an actual Billy Graham revival at Soldier Field in Chicago. He was a he was a kid, I think he was 11 or 12, and him and a friend just saw that like th many thousands of people were piling into Soldier Field and they didn't have money, so they snuck into Soldier Field. They actually like snuck into a Billy Graham revival, which is funny, that's even a thing. They snuck through a gate and they <laughs> found their way and they found some open seats and they kind of hid and watched Billy Graham share the good news of who Jesus was. Um, this is like at the height of these revivals. And he said he had never heard that they didn't go to a church. And he said, I was glued to him. It was like he was talking to me and I heard about Jesus and his death and his resurrection and that it was for me and he loves me. And there was a God who cared about me, even with all my brokenness. And he said, I like wept. And I was, I remember, he remembered being embarrassed because his friend was there and he was like, why am I crying? And afterwards they invited him to come forward to, to talk. This is the part I want you to hear. So he went to, he went up, he stood in line, he said, for like an hour and waited to meet Billy Graham. And he thought, this guy is the guy that's going to change my life, right? 
So he got to Billy Graham and he said, Mr. You know, Mr. Graham, I, I want to follow Jesus. So I need you to follow. You must, you're the guy who changes everyone's lives. And Billy Graham said, I need you to run home as fast as you can. And I need you to find the closest church to your house and go in the doors of that church and tell whoever's in there that you want to follow Jesus and that you need that church to help you follow Jesus. That was Billy Graham's plan for him. Not that he would continue changing this kid's life, but that just ordinary people at an ordinary church on his block would change. And he did it. He ran home. He said there was a, a, a Lutheran church down the street from his house. He ran in there and he came in and he said, I want to follow Jesus. Could you imagine this? There's like a person sitting there and they're like, okay. And the person in there who had just been in there praying said, let me get the pastor. And they sat down with him and they sat and read the Bible that day. And after that, for years of this kid's life, he was a part of this church community and they cared for him and loved him. Right. They, they cooked him. Right. And he went on to be a pastor of another church in another town in Iowa. And it continued. I think of that all the time because I, I watch videos online of, of, it might be ministry, right? A pastor. And I think, Oh, this guy's so good. He, look at, he can, I bet he's changing everyone's lives and through what, like, why are we doing what we're doing? I think he's not really cooking people's lives the same way as just community and life together does this. This is what just faithful presence together is going to change each other and the people around us as long as we start with the gospel and that's what's cooking us. And the last thing I want us to encourage us with is that people are going to ask for the recipe. They're going to want to know what this delicious smell is. They're going to want to know why this tastes so good, why there's a warmth, why there's a peace and a joy, why when you gather around with, with these people, something seems different. There's a contentment. And there is a hope. They're going to ask what's different. They're going to ask how you're able to kick down the gates of hell. And they're going to want to join in. And we have to be ready to share that. And that, that, that's it, I think, lastly. Not only do we need his faithful presence with these people, but we're ready to share the hope that we have. And in 1 Peter 3, we hear this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope you have. People are going to ask, and they might not just say, tell me about the hope you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you, your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed. They may be ashamed of their slander. In the way that we bless people, because the light's in us, because the gospel's filling us and we're overflowing, we not only get to be faithful presence to people and to each other, but we get to, to answer what the light is, what the hope is that's illuminating us, that's shining from us. Um, so that's my encouragement to us, right? Con consider yourself a hot dish. Oh, no one's probably ever said that to you. Consider yourself a hot dish. <laughs> Uh, if you want to be a hot dish, come forward right now. <laughs> Consider yourself a hot dish, right? Are, are you cooking? Are you? Are, can you just be faithful to those that God has given you and the things around you? All of these things, right? 
all these areas of life, the gospel changes us and how we interact with them. But in the end, it's the question of, can I cook in the gospel, marinate in the gospel, be filled with the gospel, whatever works for you, right? So that I can overflow that to those who God gives me. Because every day, today included, you're going to be given people around you. You might right now be sitting with those people, those lives. And we get the opportunity each day to be that light to those people, right? To be salt to those people. And what if that was enough work for us? That seems like plenty of work. If you just count the people in my house, that's plenty of work um, for me. I want to encourage you as we end just with some words uh, before we take communion. In a moment, we're going to take communion. Remember this meal that is a meal of thanksgiving of Jesus who has come to rescue us. We do this every week because we want to be reminded of this so that we leave overflowing with that. But I want to, I want to write to you as we started um, talking about ex- uh, collecting gifts for these Highland families. I asked Emily, she gets really passionate about this. She helps organize this. And she herself even says, I'm not necessarily the, I'm not the person up front telling everyone to do this. I'd love to help organize it and make it work, which is awesome. But I said, could you just write like your heart overflows with this? Could you tell me why? Um, and she wrote to me why this is so important to hear these words of hers. This is just for her. Why? Why we give just gifts to families. This is one way that we get to be light to it. But hear these words as we end um, and we move into a time of communion. Emily says, this is the time of year when we look at giving to love and encourage fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and to show the love and hope of Jesus to those who do not yet know him. The Christmas season brings with it a reminder through many people and organizations that there are needs all over the world. While we can't overlook those needs, I also get excited for participating in this opportunity because it allows us to put our feet to the ground. We get to be a light right here in our community. She meant hot dish, but I think she we know what she means, right? These are students at the very schools in our community um, that have needs. And we as the church uh, can be the avenue through which God provides for them. We are blessed to be a blessing. We have a light that can shine so brightly that our community can't possibly miss it. That's why I'm excited to help in this way this year. I, I mean, I, she didn't know what we were talking about today. I was so encouraged by this. Can, can you see this vision that there's a light so bright people can't ignore it and we get the opportunity to shine that to people around us? So friends, the gospel blesses us to see things differently, but also be differently. I don't think that's a phrase, right? But we get to be different. As we go in our days, we get to bring this light, this aroma of Jesus. We get to bring this sweet aroma of a heavenly hot dish to all those we encounter. That's really good news because that means those people are going to encounter Jesus and hopefully find joy in in him. And as we've been saying for uh, almost a year now, We're thrilled to bring this great joy of the gospel to those around us.